Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Now, qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and, of course, mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean and claim your eligibility for free, your brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, it's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, and switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Hey, as spring unfolds, the warmer breezes, guess what? It is time to embrace the comfort of your own backyard and I have found a game changer for your home oasis. It's the Michael Phelps Swim Spa by Master Spas. Now, this is the ultimate two-for-one deal. You get a luxurious hot tub that meets an elite exercise pool that you'll love. This is not just relaxation. It is a first-class experience in the privacy of your own space. Just go to masterspas.com, enter the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner for up to $1,000 off your Master Spa exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand that I trust. That's masterspas.com. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Hey, you know how I love hearing great American success stories and sharing them all with you. Well, our favorite t-shirt, underwear, sock company, Tommy John, well, that's one of them. Now, Tom Patterson grew up in a small town in South Dakota after college He had a successful career. He was selling medical devices on the West Coast. But he quickly became fed up with the way his undershirt kept coming untucked. So despite having zero background in men's fashion whatsoever, Tom sketched up some designs for smarter undergarments. Now, starting out of his apartment and growing Tommy John to the globally recognized company it is today, well, he achieved, Tom did, the American dream. Now, of course, they're super soft. They're undershirts. Guess what? They never come untucked. Plus, all of Tommy John underwear is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear, guarantee, or it's free. Go to TommyJohn.com slash for 20% off your first order, TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. You get 20% off your first order, TommyJohn.com slash Hannity, 20% off. That's TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. All right, glad you're with us, and happy what day is the Thursday? Feels like Monday. Kidding. Like we're starting all over again. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza all right, what time are we expecting, Linda, these news conferences? We're expecting a judge, Roy, Roy Moore. Roy Moore is about to speak any moment. We're okay. standing by for that. And there's another, the, the press conference with uh, the press secretary from the White House is expected at 3.30. So we're standing by. Uh, Linda said that, not in New York voice. She said it very, very quickly. It was very, very busy in there. And she just does it. And she's aggravated before the start of the show today because there's so much happening last minute. Is that true or false? Pretty much. 
You can I take think a five chill. press conferences in a half hour. Yeah, is a no, lot. I know. All right, a lot to get to today. Uh, big news on the economic front, and by a vote of 227 to 205, they did, in fact, in the House of Representatives, they passed the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Um, it's interesting. Now, if you look at, for example, I'm, my my base in the House is the Freedom Caucus. I think they are the most conservative, and they are fighting the hardest to keep their promises every day. They're they're grinding it out. And that's Mark Meadows and Jim Dorden and Dave Brad and Louie Gomert and all the guys that you hear on this program, because most of the other people don't want very much to do with me at all, and I'm fine with that. Uh, it's, I don't really want too much to do with them either. The big challenge now is going to be in the Senate. Senate, I assume, is going to pass their version of this, and then they'll you know, slam it out in uh, committee and hopefully— you know, we'll get we'll get this on the president's desk. It's not the bill I want. And by the way, this is a bill that is going to hurt. Uh, in my particular case, I, I'm not paying less in taxes. I'll be paying more. Um, and that is fundamentally where I, I just felt that there was an abandonment of across the board Reagan supply side economic cuts for everybody. Let me tell you why I if I was in Congress today, I would have voted for it. Because it is a big middle class tax cut, and it also, you know, it's it's very interesting. The corporate tax. This election was about the forgotten men and forgotten women in America, and the forgotten men and women. The numbers are staggering: fifty million in poverty, fifty million in food stamps. We've added in the last eight years thirteen million more Americans on food stamps, eight million more in poverty. It's it's these people. Everybody in this country is suffering. These are our neighbors. These are our friends. These are our family. You know, this is our community, and it's rotting because the United States has become less and less and less and less competitive. And between punitive regulations and burdensome regulations, business just has decided not to build here. And, and hence, you you saw the slow bleeding out of American businesses, and I mean out of Michigan, out of Detroit, out of Wisconsin, out of Ohio, out of Pennsylvania, and and they're the ones that made the difference in this election. Now you might say, well, why are you going to court cut corporate taxes? Well, you cut corporate taxes so you incentivize them to stay in the country, invest in manufacturing centers, invest in factories. Invest in warehouses so the American worker gets back to work. And then you get people out of poverty off of food stamps. Now, getting rid of regulations, the president has done most of this on his own. Now, do I wish this was passed in January or February? Yeah. Am I, I'm, I'm, look, we still got a long way to go. Ron Johnson already is a no in its current configuration in the United States Senate out of Wisconsin. Um. But the corporate tax part of it, the deregulation part of it, and the repatriation part of it, and the middle class tax cut part of it is good. But now you're going to eliminate state and local taxes that you deduct. Now, it's interesting. Let me read, for example, Daryl Issa's comment. Daryl Issa, he's a great guy. He's a conservative. Daryl Issa had to vote no on this bill because he is from California. And he said, California families deserve to see tax relief, too. Well, the only thing I say to Daryl Issa, and I, I'm, I'm a victim of this in New York as well. New Jersey will be victims of this also. And Illinois will be victims of this also. And because these states have decided that they're going to allow their government 
to tax them into oblivion. Now with, you know, in the state of New York, it's a, a upwards 9.9% top income tax on top of your federal tax. So 39% federal, 10% state. In California, it's 13.5% state income tax. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, Representative Zeldin also similarly votes no against the GOP package, and he's from New York. Why did he vote no? Because New York has a 10% state income tax. Well, that's no longer going to be deductible under this bill. And, and it's interesting because in many ways, the rest of the country has to subsidize those people in those states that elect governors and, and assemblies and state legislators and state senates that raise everybody's taxes. Anyway, so when you break this whole thing down, I, I understand. Daryl Issa said, I didn't come to Washington to raise taxes on my constituents. I don't plan to start today. He said it's disappointing that the bill approved today will not provide the same tax relief to California as it does for the rest of the nation. Californian families need to are being crushed under the constant barrage of tax increases coming out of Sacramento's tax factory. Well, therein he's identifying the problem. And in New York, it's Albany. And in New Jersey, where is it? Trenton. It's, you know, I mean, this is what you get when you elect liberal governors. You know, how is it Florida and Texas have zero state income tax? All right, so the people of Texas, they don't get to deduct what money they're paying in taxes to their state because their states are fiscally responsible. And, you know, for some states that might have a small income tax, it's not that big a deal. But for states like New York and California and New Jersey and Illinois, you, this is what's going to happen. There are 13 Republicans voting against the bill and you know, nine were from New York and New Jersey, Zeldin, Donovan, Peter King. And I don't blame them because they know what's going to happen. But neither have any of these guys taken the charge to their home states and says, guys, look what you're doing. So if you pay 40 percent federal income tax in California, you pay 53 and a half percent federal income tax. Then you add your Social Security tax on top of it. Then you add your property taxes on top of it. You know, in New York. I got my extra 10%. I got a city tax 3%. Then I got the second highest property tax county in the country, which is Nassau County, which is where I grew up. I mean, you're paying for nothing. I think I'm the only person to ever call the, what you, the, the county executive in my county, and I said, please do me a favor. He goes, what? I said, stop fixing the road. Stop. I don't want the road fixed. I'd rather go over dirt and rocks and boulders so I can so I don't have to go around every single day it's another hour and it's gone on for over a year and a half and I call just listen I have a request stop fixing the road stop it now they had some damage going back to uh what was the hurricane that hit New Jersey uh, Hurricane Sandy and all right so they had to fix this one you know seawall then they ended up doing the whole thing they didn't do anybody any favors like government working by up and for the people we have Al Franken is under fire today. I have known Leanne Tweeden for so many. I can't even remember how long I have known her. And Leanne Tweeden, and I know her husband, they're, they're just two of the nicest people. Uh, by the way, this is now breaking. Franken could, this, this probe of his could lead to his expulsion. 
If you go to the drudgereport.com right now, you will see a picture if you haven't seen it yet, if you're not on social media, etc. And Leanne tweeted constantly, just the biggest lover, would sacrifice so much of her time, money, energy, resources for the military. And often we would have her on, on Hannity and Combs, Hannity, and, and, and I interviewed her so many times over the years. She's fun. She's amazing. Her husband is a hero. He used to fly, I think, C-130s, if my mind serves me well. I remember when she had her first child. It was a, she was so happy, and, you know, I just, I just know what a wonderful person she is. And years ago, she pulled me aside, and the picture you see on the Drudge Report, she showed it to me. And I remember, I remember the welling up of anger. Now, we have a lot of charges of you know, sexual harassment, impropriety, predators, groping, grabbing. All right, so sometimes it's he said uh, or she said and he denies. Other times, like in Kevin Spacey's case or Weinstein's case or whatever, you have the tapes of the police department. There's no doubt Al Franken was grabbing her chest as she's sleeping. As she is sleeping. And I remember the anger that welled up in me. I've never talked about it because she asked me not to. It would not be right to divulge a secret. She showed it to me, and I think it was around the time he was running for Senate. And I said, if you release this, he probably would lose. And But I, I remember we just discussed it in the ways it's not easy for people to do, as I've been saying now for how many days. And this was about 11 years ago it happened. What I didn't know is it was worse, which I learned today. And that is that Al Franken, you know, did other stuff to her as well. That, you know, there's a, that he wrote a script that featured him kissing her and harassed her during rehearsals unrelentingly. And when she returned home from the tour, she noticed a photo from the tour where Franken had his hands on her breast, smiling into the camera while she's sleeping. You know exactly what you were doing. You forcibly kissed me without my consent. You grabbed my breast while I was sleeping. You had someone take a photo of you doing it, knowing I would see it later and be ashamed, Tweedin wrote. I'm still angry at what Al Franken did to me today. She, you know, she's a model. You know, she's been a TV personality. She's been in movies. She's uh, a, the news anchor for uh, McIntyre in the morning. I know Doug McIntyre in Los Angeles radio. Uh, she's been a model. You know, she's done a lot of things. She's a strong conservative, maybe one of the most passionate people I know that would go on all of these USO tours. And, you know, it also featured country music acts and uh, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And Tweeden said she only expected to be the MC of the event. But then Franken said that he had written a part for me that he thought would be funny. And she agreed to play along. And it, the skit featured him kissing her, which she says she was not happy about, but thought she could play it off in the act. And Franken insisted that they be rehearsing the kiss. And then she goes on to say when she agreed, he grabbed her and smashed his lips against mine and aggressively stuck his tongue in my mouth. Al Franken. I immediately pushed away with both of my hands against his chest and told him uh, he better never do that to me again, I would, and, and so on and so forth. The tour ended, and she saw the CD of photographs from the tour, and she saw that picture of Franken. 
He said, I felt violated over again, embarrassed, belittled, humiliated. How dare anyone grab my breast like this and think it's funny? You know, I wanted to shout my story to the world. She said her husband, she told him what had happened, wanted to share the story publicly. She feared it would impact her career. I wanted to shout to the world with a megaphone to anyone who would listen. But even as angry as I was, I was worried about the potential backlash and the damage of going public. Now, there is another person that has now come out, somebody we also know, Melanie Morgan. Now, when you look at these pictures, it's pretty despicable. 800-941-SEAN. Also, Sylvester Stallone is being accused of harassment today. We expect Roy Moore to speak any minute. Now, this Franken probe could lead to his expulsion, we're now being told. Have you ever thought Hillsdale College in terms of impacting K-12 through education? Well, they are, and they're improving young lives in the process. Hillsdale has partnered with some 18 charter schools nationwide and more opening every year. Now, they provide curricula. They train the charter school faculty, and they offer support and advice. And maybe Hillsdale can help with a charter school in your area. And get this, Hillsdale never takes a penny for any of these services, they do it for free. It's called the Barney Charter School Initiative. It's funded entirely by donors. Now, you can learn more about this important work. Just go to HannityForHillsdale.com. HannityForHillsdale.com. There's a video there. It shows you how Hillsdale College is building character and children all across the country, teaching these young people how to live full and flourishing human lives. Now, Hillsdale does all of this without taking one penny of government money and not one penny from the schools. It's all part of Hillsdale's mission to create a better citizenry and to help Americans learn how to pursue truth and how to defend liberty. Go to HannityForHillsdale.com. We'll continue. Uh, now, we're going to be joined by Leanne Tweeden and Melanie yeah, Morgan. Yeah, Melanie Morgan and Leanne no. Tweeden will be with us at 4 o'clock today. Now, Melanie, Melanie Morgan has been also a friend of mine for many, many years. And anyway, she was on uh, Politically Incorrect. It was on an ABC show. That's Bill Maher's show. Franken was on that show that night. They had a fight over OMB's budget numbers. And uh, then anyway, she goes on in her statement. She said, I made a statement about the budget numbers. And he he challenged her. She challenged him back. And it was about spending priorities. After the show, Melanie Morgan and Al Franken wouldn't leave her alone, insisting on continuing the argument. And then he goes on. He approached me backstage, angrily called me out on those numbers and insisted he would prove that he was right. And he wouldn't leave me alone. He kept following me. And as a woman, his presence, proximity to me, felt very threatening and intimidating. I didn't realize his creepy behavior after the show. It meant he would continue for days to come. He approached Carol, the show's producers, that demanded my home phone number. Clear violation of network protocol. I thought it was the end of the story and was shocked when he started calling my home, badgering me repeatedly. I became fearful and called Carol to complain and asked her to call him back and have him back off. He made another call after that, and I thought he might end up stalking me in my home in Northern California. It was that bad. By the third phone call, I was outraged and terrified, and it was really disturbing. And she said he finally left her alone, but only after she pushed back and threatened to call the police and make a report that he was harassing her. I have a story about Al Franken, and it's not nothing like this, but this he is nuts. One day I go down to see, I heard Barry Farber, this is in the Hannity and Combs days, uh, Barry Farber, I heard, was in the building, was one of the great radio pioneers. Went down to see him, Al Franken's there. Keeps interrupting the discussion, you know, 
What about Rush? What about you? What about, you know, all this stuff to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm not here to talk to you. Anyway, I said goodbye to Barry Farber. It was getting ridiculous. This nut, this nut just literally followed me out in the hall. Security at Fox called a code. And literally, they had to hold him and escort this idiot out the building. I've told this story on the on the air years now. Years ago, it happened. I-25 till the uh, top of the hour. Uh, Judge Roy Moore, the Senate candidate in Alabama, stepping up to the microphone. Let's take this live. Thank you very much, uh, Janet. It's it's deed and honor. When I look at this group of people behind me, I, I won't repeat their names, but I've known many of them through the years, some 10 years ago, some 20, some 30, and some 40, but some 40 are gone. Um, many of them have lost their jobs. They've lost their positions. They've suffered imprisonment, uh, jail time, but they've been fined. They've suffered persecution. And some are gone, like uh, Mr. Shifley, who I dearly loved and respect her. But you know, they all have one thing in common, which reminds me of a, a story. When I first got into politics, uh, they said in the court system, they said uh, three things you have to have for being a good candidate. And that's honesty, dedication, and experience. So I went to a seasoned old judge and told him that. And he said, Roy, he said, that's, that's not really re- correct. He says... You don't need honesty, dedication, experience. What you need to do is is have uh, eyeglasses. It shows people that you study a lot and read a lot. And I've come to where I have to have glasses when it's close range now. He says the next thing is you have to have uh, graying hair or thinning hair. Well, as you can see, mine's been going for a while. And uh, he, he said you have to have that to show your age. So you have to have be studied and be of an age proper. And then he said, and you, then you have to have uh, one other thing. I said, what's that, Judge? He said, you have to have hemorrhoids. <laughs> and I said, Judge, I, I don't understand that. Uh, I don't have hemorrhoids. Uh, he said, well, you have to have hemorrhoids. Uh, and I said, why? He said, well, it gives you a concerned look. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one thing that drives these people to come from places all across our country, from California and Texas and Ohio and Maryland and Pennsylvania, New York, uh, Florida, uh, Illinois. The one thing we have in common is a concern for our country and concern for our future. I want to thank every one of them individually. It's been a great honor. It's been a great encouragement to hear them. They know what they're talking about, I think. Uh, They know that this country faces rough times ahead if we don't go back to the one upon whom it is founded. I thank all of you who have come to support me in this campaign. I sincerely appreciate your support and look forward to serving the United States Senate. One thing I would like to see happen in our country is unity. I said I wanted to see unity. I never dreamed that I would succeed even before I got elected, but I have unified the Democrats and the Republicans in fighting against me because they don't want me there. As you know, the Washington Post has brought some scurrilous, false charges, not charges, allegations, which I have emphatically denied time and time again. 
They're not only untrue, but they have no evidence to support them. Two of the speakers up here said words that I caught. One said unsubstantiated, and another said unproven. Another said they were fake. All of that is true. And the Washington Post is certainly not evidence. What I want to do in this campaign is very simple, is get back to the issues which some are avoiding addressing. I haven't had one question from the press or the media about issues in this case since these allegations have occurred. What is important is how we address the future of this country. And by cutting taxes, rebuilding our military, military, repealing Obamacare, and putting good judges and justices on the federal and Supreme Court of the United States. We've got to stop judicial supremacy or we're losing our form of government. Many of you have recognized that this is an effort by Mitch McConnell and his cronies to steal this election from the people of Alabama, and they will not stand for it. They overcame $30 million and voted me in the primary, and now they're trying a different tactic. They even, I will, the day we got a call from one big magazine that you all recognize if I say the name, I don't want to say it, but they got a call and said, ask me to step down from the campaign. Well, I want to tell you who needs to step down. That's Mitch McConnell. There have been comments about me taking a stand. Yes, I have taken a stand in the past. I'll take a stand in the future. And I'll quit standing when they lay me in that box and put me in the ground. I'm proud to stand with people that I see behind me and with people of Alabama to bring forth the truth to Washington, D.C. Not just about what we stand for, but what the people of this country stand for. An acknowledgement of God, an acknowledgement of the Constitution, an acknowledgement that we need moral value back in our country. And without God, we can never succeed. I want to thank you for coming here. I want to close with just saying, may God bless you, bless the state of Alabama and the United States of America. Thank you. All right, that's Roy Moore, the Senate candidate in Alabama, uh, telling uh, a group of people that he is not getting out of the race, he will be staying in the race, and that these charges, once again, he has said, are false. Also, we've got other issues now that uh, are facing. Al Franken has now been accused by two women, Leanne Tweeden and Melanie Morgan. In the case of uh, Franken, it was uh, molestation. There's a, a picture of, of Al Franken on a USO tour with... Leanne Tweeden, and Leanne is is obviously sleeping, and him smiling for a camera as he's grabbing her breasts and assaulting her that way. And then, of course, Melanie Morgan, I just described her case. I'm going to be checking in. They'll tell us their story coming up later. Obviously, there's evidence in this particular case. And uh, there have been calls by a lot of people, including Republicans and Chuck Schumer, uh, they need an ethics investigation. Well, the investigation may end up with the expulsion, potentially, of Val Franken. But as I pointed out, I would tell you right now off the top of my head that when it comes, and I laid out a history of this last night, you know, for 30 years now, when it comes to politics, the issues involving the mistreatment of women come second, especially involving the Clintons. 
I laid out in great detail last night how all of these women were smeared and slandered and besmirched and attacked and and referred to bimbos and worse and, and others surrounding, oh, you drag $100 through a trailer park, and that went on, and uh, all Hillary would say is, oh, that's in the past, or a vast right-wing conspiracy. And now even the New York Times is jumping on board. They're saying, yeah, I, I believe Juanita, a little late. And, of course, then Monica Lewinsky happened, and I don't think anybody really doubted at that point. Or the payoff to uh, most people forget Paula Jones got a settlement of $850,000 and that uh, he lost his law license and that he was impeached. Everybody seemed to now, maybe they would, maybe if it was at this time and I was talking about Hillary's acceptance of millions and millions of dollars from countries that abuse women, I mean really abuse women as a matter of law. Some of these countries, marital rape is not a crime. Domestic violence in some countries is not a crime. In almost all these countries under Sharia, women are told by men how to dress. They're told if they can travel by, their, by the men in their life. They are told uh, if they can even leave the house. Sometimes you need a male relative just to leave a house that can't drive a car. Many, many cases they couldn't vote, can't vote. And in other cases, then, of course, the persecution and the killing of, of gays and lesbians just because of who they are. That happens. And she's taking money from these countries, millions of dollars from these countries. And gays and lesbians are being hung and thrown off of buildings. Christians and Jews are, are persecuted with regularity in these countries. You can't build a temple. You can't build a church. You can't build a house of worship if it doesn't fit their state religion. Unbelievable. All right, let's get to some of our busy uh, telephones uh, here uh, as we say hi to Rusty. Rusty is in Little Falls, New Jersey. What's up, Rusty? How are you? Glad you called. Very good, sir. I just wanted to say, among other things, um, you should... Judge Moore should be innocent until proven guilty. Why is it the? Why is it he? You know, he has to prove his innocence. Um, well, I think I think what there. people are, I think prudently when something is so outrageous and despicable, which I'm sure you would agree, if a woman claims when she was 14 and he's 32 and he's sexually abusing her, that needs to be fully and completely investigated. You agree with that, right? Oh, investigated, yes. But now part of the problem is if one of these allegations is proven false, it's going to sully the whole, if all the other ones are true, the false one is going to sully all the other ones and make it harder for women who are really, have been uh, abused like that. Well, we don't, we don't know in the case of any of them yet. And I will tell you though, I mean, now we're up to eight women that are, have uh, complained against Judge Moore. I understand, but it's like I said, even one of them is untrue. It's going to, it's going to, that's what they're going to hear. I just think that from my perspective is, you know, and I said this last night on TV, I, I lived in Alabama. I, I know the people of Alabama. And they, they gave me a warm embrace. They thought I'd talk funny when I was down there, and they were right. I do. Um, but I got to tell you, it's, it's, you know, when you grow up in New York, um, I never had this attitude. I was just busy working and playing sports. I, you know, I didn't have any attitude. I, was, I lived in my own little world like most of us do. And but when you really as I've had the blessing and benefit of being able to travel, you know, all around this country, you really begin to get a, a there's a, a keen difference, a discernible difference between red state America, if you will, all those counties that have painted red in this last election and the rest of the country. 
And that means, you know, in New York, you have the, the, the you have the two coasts. You have San Francisco, Los Angeles, Seattle. And then you've got New York, New Jersey. You've got Illinois up there. And then the rest of this country is, you know, largely red. And it's it's God, faith, family, country. But I'm not saying everybody's perfect. But, you know, it's a, it's just I was just very impressed, honored to call it my home for the time that I did, honored to call Atlanta my home the time that I did. Maynard Jackson invited me uh, to the great city of Atlanta when I, my first day on the radio down there. And I just said last night, you know, getting answers, which is why I asked for answers, uh, is crucial that the Alabama people have the truth when they go to the ballot box. To me, that's apolitical. I think the people need to, you know, we've had a, so many October surprises over the year. You, you want to have the time that people can truly, honestly know in their heart what's true and what's not true and discern what is true. You know, in the case of Al Franken, there's no ambiguity here. We got a picture. We got a picture. And so there's zero ambiguity with Leanne Tweeden. And, you know, the fact that there's more details, it is. I remember when she first showed it to me. This was years ago. Well, Hannity, you never mentioned it to us because I was told not. I was asked not to by a friend. She told me this in confidence. And I'm friends with her, and I love her husband, and I mean, they have a great family. They're wonder, wonderful people. Anyway, I uh, appreciate the call. 800-941-SEAN is a number you want to be a part of the program. Chris is in Riverside, California. Chris, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Listening on KEIB. What's happening? Um, actually, it's ma'am. That's okay. Oh, I'm I sorry. To 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 yes, ma'am. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. My my husband prefers I go by Christina anyway. So, um, but um, thank you for taking my call. It's an honor to speak with you. And I just wanted to um, address the tax issue uh, that we're now facing here in California with this uh, uh, recent vote here in the um, House of Representatives. And I just say thank God for Daryl Issa and him voting against it. I'm I'm not in his district. But um, I've lived in California all my life, and I've never once voted for a tax hike. But because both parties are super weak need on illegal immigration, we have millions here that are voting with their state-sanctioned IDs, and it's not right. They get IDs they just for being here, and they get a vote. And, you know, where's Vice President Pence on this voter fraud business? I mean, we are getting fleeced. I understand there's, a, there's supposed to be a panel looking at all of this. And, yes, you have to be a citizen uh, of the United States to supposedly vote in elections. Uh, I think oh, it's not happening. You know, I go <laughs> back to John Fund's here. book, you know, a number of years ago. There's always been it hasn't been fixed. The idea that, you know, I have to go to the DNC convention and I have to have a picture ID and uh, just to get into the DNC convention pictures. And all that. But you don't need a photo ID to vote. Never made sense to me. All right, Leanne Tweeden, she was uh, the victim of this harassment of Al Franken, is going to join us next. And uh, all right, when we come back, Al Franken now, an image of him grabbing Leanne Tweeden, who we've known forever on this program. She and Melanie Morgan both speak out exclusively coming up on this program that's coming up next 800-941-SEAN is a toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program we also have jay seculo is going to stop by today as we talk about these new developments yeah the fix was in even worse than we thought as it relates to hillary clinton and the private email server we'll give you those details jonathan gillam and geraldo rivera and much more straight ahead 
All right, glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show. This just breaking, by the way. Uh, apparently now some media Democrats have uh, set a whole lot of, uh, have a lot of integrity, which is, you know, after the discussion we had la- last night, 30 years of besmirchment, smearing, slander of women that because of politics supporting Bill Clinton, it didn't matter what he did. Didn't matter how many women there were. Didn't matter how serious the allegations were. Anyway, Slate magazine said there is no rational reason to doubt the truth of Leanne Tweeden's accusations. No legitimate defense of Franken's actions and no ambiguity here at all. Al Franken should resign from the Senate immediately. Now, we've been telling you these stories and these breaking news from earlier today. And uh, joining us now are the two people that, in fact, uh, been victimized by Al Franken. We got the pictures uh, uh, right there on the Drudge Report right now. Uh, Leanne Tweeden, who is an actress, radio uh, host on KBC in Los Angeles, longtime friend of mine, and another longtime friend, Melanie Morgan, also a radio host in her own right, TV host in her own right, and now running Media Equalizer. Thank you both for being with us, and uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Leanne, let me let me start with you. I have known you for many, many years. Yeah. I remember where I was a very long time ago when you showed me that picture. You asked yeah. me never to tell anybody, and I did not. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, let's talk about this USO tour and what happened. Tell us. Well, in 2006, you know, I was embarking on my ninth USO tour, and that was my eighth one to the Middle East um, since the 9-11 attacks. And, you know, it was one of those things where, um, you know, the troops have always been close to my heart. You know that. And my, my dad served in Vietnam, and my husband is in the Air Force, and he still currently serves. And um, it was something close to my heart. And, you know, usually as the the television host and the radio host, I go and I MC the shows, but usually I go when it's a variety type show. I go with, you know, country music artists, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And so I'm the MC typically um, because those other people, you know, they sing and dance. So how, by um, the way, how many did you go on, Leanne? I know you went on a bunch of them. 16, um, wow. 14 to the Middle East. Yeah. So this particular trip, um, Al Franken was uh, uh, on, on the the roster with us and you know so he doesn't really sing or dance either but he he came and so he ended up being the co-mc and he had written a couple of uh skits um for himself to do throughout the show and i'd never met him before and then he um actually came up to me when we met uh in washington dc before we went over there and he said you know hey i've got a um I've got a, a script that I wrote. Uh, if you want to play along, you know, we can do a skit together at the beginning of the show for the troops. And I said, oh, okay, sounds like fun. Yeah, sure, whatever. He said, all right, when I, when I get to a printer, I'll, I'll print it out, and then we can go over the lines or whatever, and we can do it um, for the shows. So when we get over there um, a few days in before we do our very first show in Kuwait, he uh said um here's our script and i saw the script and you know it's it's the typical for the boys it's kind of full of sexual innuendo and kind of the, the playing um uh, okay uh, I'm, no. I'm i'm doing a live radio hit right now <laughs> no worries uh, don't tell whoever it is i said hi <laughs> yeah 
I'm trying to do a live radio show with you, Sean, and I'm sitting here in a chair, and they're asking me to put the phone down for one second. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. I Take your time. We'll, uh, we'll go to our friend Melanie here for a minute. Uh, Melanie, have you talked about this issue with Al Franken before? Yes, I have, Sean, and thanks for having me on your program. Thank you. You know, I was really surprised to ha- uh, to hear Leanne's story today. I was, in fact, doing a live television interview when the host asked me if I had heard about the breaking story involving Leanne at KBC, and I said no, and I didn't know her, but I shared my story immediately, and as I did um, contemporaneously, I knew Al Franken only because I was invited as a guest on the Bill Maher show. It was August 19th of 2000. I had no, I didn't have a lot of experience at the time doing live television. So I was a little bit surprised when um, Mr. Franken and I started engaging in a discussion over some budget numbers. It was a relatively mundane point that I was trying to make, and he challenged me. And then I came back over the top and challenged him, but he wouldn't let it go. He kept arguing with me over a really insignificant little thing. So at that point, uh, you know, the show was over, and I went back to the green room where he followed me. He stalked back into the green room and said, I'm going to prove to you that I'm right and that you're wrong. And this went on and on, and then he followed me out the door of the green room. And finally, you know, I got in my car and I left. And at that point, um, I was a little bit ticked off about it, but I let it go. The next day, he calls my house. He got my home mm-hmm. phone number from the show producer and started calling me. And this went on for three days in a very aggressive, very intimidating, a stalking manner. And finally, finally, um, I threatened to call the police and make an official police report if he did not leave me alone, which at that point seemed to stop him. But I have wow. to tell you, it was a very frightening experience and one that I hope I never have to repeat. That is that is chilling. And uh, Leanne Tweeden is back with us. Leanne, you there? I'm here. Sorry, yeah. they're cutting me in early here. They told me one thirty is my hit time, and now it's like one fourteen. Okay. Sorry. Oh, they can. I understand. <laughs> uh, so why don't we pick up where you left off? By the way, I and I I know your husband. You you do love the military. You, uh, by the way, and yes. and Melanie, uh, I know raises money for the troops every year. I've, I've tried to donate often to her charity, and you went on these sixteen USO tours. Uh, I know your husband, a wonderful guy. I remember when you had your first baby. How old is the first baby now? Four, and then the second one's two. I know, and congratulations on that, too. And please <laughs> please tell your, your other half I said hi. Um, I will, for sure. Thank you. And let, just so I, I know how hard this has been and what a tough day this has been for you. Walk us through from the point where the skit, which is where you left off, you were just supposed to be the MC. He writes a skit, and in the skit, he puts in a kissing scene between you and him. Yeah, totally. And, you know, in my mind, it's like, okay, we're just going to do this get on stage. He's going to come in for the kiss, and I'm just going to turn my head, or I'll just put my hand over his mouth, and it'll be part of the scene. It'll be funny, right? You know, we're just going to play it off. And we're backstage. It's literally a few minutes before the first show, and he's like, we need to rehearse the scene because we're we're, we're alone, right? We're in this little makeshift backstage area. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, I just ignore him. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, we don't. And then he's like, no, we really need to rehearse the scene. I'm like, Al, it's not SNL. We don't need to rehearse the scene. 
you know, and he just keeps badgering me. And I'm thinking, this guy is relentless. I'm like, Al, just go to the right. I'll tilt my head to the right, you know, just, just trying to be funny and make light of it. And he just it continues and he goes on and on. And finally, I'm like, just to get him off, just to get him off me, you know, I'm thinking, okay, fine, we're going to rehearse this to kiss, all right? It's like he just was so focused on that one thing. And so finally, I'm just like, okay, let's rehearse the kiss, okay? And I'm just, yeah, I'm going to turn my head, whatever. And he comes in, and he just literally puts his hand on the back of my neck, and he comes in, and he just does it so fast, and he just puts his mouth on my mouth, and he sticks his tongue in my mouth. And it happens so fast, Sean, that it's like, you know, when you're not ready for something. And I call him, I call him fishlips to this day because his mouth was just wet, and it was so disgusting. That's so disgusting. I pushed him off with my hands. And I'm like, if you ever do that to me again, and I just, I was like, I had, my hands were clenched in fists, and I was like, I was ready to punch him. I was so angry, and I just turned around, and I walked out of there, and I just was looking for a bathroom because I just wanted to wash my mouth out, and I was just mad. You know, you know, I was I, so angry. I, and yeah, and by the way, you, you. I had to go on stage and act for five, you know, in five minutes to go on and pretend like, you know. You know, I, I, I mean, it's just. He, let me ask you this, and I saw you said hey, that, they're telling me in yeah, one minute I'm going to have to go on live. I want to ask call- quickly about the about the picture, though. That is so yeah. disgusting to me. And I remember when I asked you about it, and and you asked me never to say it. I never did because we've been friends for way too long a period of time. Um, what do you think should happen? I know they were trying to pressure you in the press conference. Um, does, the, does something like that warrant? Does he belong in the Senate? And what do you do if there's not a picture? In other words, you have a picture, and then it becomes he said, she said. How do we sort through that, Leanne? Um, I, you know, I don't. Either. I. Yeah, I. What I'm, you know, what I mean. Like in your case, you look at that picture. Everybody's disgusted. And there's so much going on. What do you do if it's if you don't know for sure? What do you advise people? Um, you know, you know, I'm sorry. They're talking in my other ear, Sean. It's hard for me to hear you. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. I, can I I'll just let you answer that last question and you can go. OK. Yeah. You know, I'm not calling for him to step down. That's not why I came out with this. I just want right. other people. If You know, there might be other girls that he did this to. And obviously you have yeah. one on the phone right now that's talking with me. And there might be others. A girl called into my radio station today that I need to return a call that said mm-hmm. she had this happen to her from him. I'll let so, you go. I know, you know, you ha- I, know, I know you're being pulled. Listen, Leanne. Uh, well, Sean, I'm going to call you back. T- okay? tons, We're t- going to finish this. Y- you bet. Because it's all, important. All the best to uh, your husband, your family, the kids, for me, okay? Thank you. Uh, and, Melanie, let me go back to your story. It's um, He's being pulled in 100 directions here. And, um, you know, I haven't ex- – look, obviously it's nothing like what you guys went through. And But one day I went down in the green room of the Fox News Channel, and Barry Farber, who you know is one of the great radio pioneers, and I went to see him. This was in the Hannity and Combs days. And I'm trying to have a conversation with Barry Farber, and Al Franken is in there screaming at me. And I'm like, all right, I don't want to talk to you. I'm here to see my friend. Um, anyway, it's I, finally it gets to the point I can't even have it. And I just said, all right, Barry, good to see you, my friend. God bless you. Give him a hug. And I walked out, and he's screaming at me, following me. And the halls of Fox are filled with security guys. 
And literally, he would not stop. They called the code, and then security literally surrounded this guy. I've told this story many, many times on air before. Uh, it sounds like he was harassing you on that. He, this man is unhinged. I've known him for a long time. When he's stalking you like this, did you think about going to the police? I did. I was terrified. I really thought there's something wrong with this man. And I told the story at the time on the Lee Rogers and Melanie Morgan show at KSFO in San Francisco, because I thought the only way to really protect myself is to tell this story out loud, because I was afraid. I was terrified that he was going to come to San Francisco. And I don't I don't know what his behavior was so erratic and so obsessive that it truly frightened me. And I remember um, telling you this story as well. Um, and you told me your story about being surrounded and, and, and yelled at by him. You know, I had forgotten all about it until I, I you reminded me. I said, I forgot the whole thing. And I remembered now yeah. because, yeah, it's look, it was a long time ago. And, you know, uh, I, I don't care. Al Franken's, you know, just to me, he's just a jerk. But, you know, when you. I want to I want you to stay there when we come out. I want to ask Melanie Morgan a question because it dovetails into, you know, you tell your story. We've got the picture of Leanne. There's when there's no ambiguity. It's easy. I want to ask you about the hard cases when somebody makes an allegation or a number of people make allegations and then the person denies it. We'll get to that. Melanie Morgan, Jay Seculo at the bottom of the hour. One. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity Show, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Jay Sekulow at the bottom of the hour. Uh, as we've been telling you, Al Franken now accused of sexual molestation on a USO tour of Leanne Tweeden. There is a picture of Leanne sleeping. She's been on all these USO tours. And Al Franken there grabbing her breasts. And then she talked about unwanted touching and groping and grabbing and kissing and shoving his tongue down her throat which is unbelievable. Uh, Melanie Morgan had been stalked by Al Franken after a politically uh, incorrect show. He is, I know him from my own experiences, is unhinged. Um, Melanie, what do, what do people to think when we don't have a picture, like in the case of Leanne? How do, how do people sort through and get to the truth? That is a great question, and it's one, and as a journalist of over 30 years' experience, I wrestle with every single day. You know, you have to take these instances and these testimonials by different women, and it's usually women, although in Hollywood, as we've learned, sometimes it's men, and you have to look at the whole context in which these allegations are made. You know, I wanted to give Judge Roy Moore the benefit of the doubt because it was 40 years ago that he was accused of doing some inappropriate things. I think that the people of Alabama are definitely going to make a judgment on what they think is true and what is not true. I can only speak as to the truth that I experienced, which was a very aggressive and almost obsessive behavior that Senator Al Franken displayed towards me when he was a writer and a performer on Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. So I know my truth, and I think that all the rest of us have to, to give it our best judgment, read carefully, do our research, and come to our own conclusions. But Melanie, one thing. In, my, in my interview with him and my demand that he answer questions... Was that the right thing to do? Because I feel the people of Alabama deserve to know the truth before they go vote. 100 percent. 
yes. The answer is yes. You know, at first I wasn't sure what was, what to think about that, but then I, I realized, Sean, that you were simply doing your job, which is to ask very tough questions, and you did. Some of the answers he gave were a little less clear than other answers, and now he has come back and, and answered most of those questions that you've asked, and it's up to the people of Alabama now. Mel, so, i gotta, I got to run. Tell people about your military charity quick. Okay, it's called Move America Forward. We send care packages to our troops overseas. MoveAmericaForward.org. Thanks. Thanks, Mel. You know, President Trump has tried to flip the script and now says the Justice Department should be investigating you. Mm-hmm. And this week we learned that Attorney General Sessions is considering a special counsel to probe the Uranium One deal and alleged conflicts with the Clinton mm-hmm. Foundation. What's your reaction to this? You know, I regret deeply that uh, this appears to be uh, the politicization of the Justice Department and our justice system. Uh, This Uranium One story has been debunked countless times uh, by members of the press, by independent experts. Uh, It is nothing but a, a, you know, a false charge that uh, the Trump administration is uh, trying to drum up in order to avoid uh, attention being directed at them. I mean, even Trey Gowdy, somebody who's hardly a fan of mine, uh, said uh, uh, that, uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be the basis for a special counsel. Of course, there isn't. But if I try to take myself out of it, which, you know, is kind of hard because it's personally uh, offensive that they would do this, but taking myself out of it, this is such an abuse of power, and it goes right at the rule of law. So you have a lot of experience with special counsels. Uh, I mean, how concerned are you about a special counsel investigating you? I mean, is this something that you're preparing for? I'm not concerned because I know that there's no basis to it. I regret if, you know, they do do it because it will be uh, such a a disastrous step into politicizing the justice system. Uh, And at the end of the day, you know, nothing will come of it, but it will, you know, cause uh, a lot of... uh, terrible consequences that we might live with for a really long time. Politicize the Justice Department. Well, maybe that would be with your husband meeting on a tarmac with Loretta Lynch or Loretta Lynch instructing Jim Comey, the FBI director. Don't call it an investigation. Call it a matter. Or Jim Comey and and others apparently uh, deciding for themselves that they're going to exonerate her and start writing that letter before the investigation really even started. Now we find out that shortly before last year's election, the FBI deputy director, Andrew McCabe, he wrote an email on his official government account stating that Hillary Clinton, the email probe, had been given special status, according to documents released now. And his October 23rd, 2016 email to press officials in the FBI said the probe was under the control of a small group of high ranking people at the FBI's headquarters in Washington. And as I Now, as I now know, the decision was made to investigate it at a headquarters with a small team, he wrote in the email, and he said he had no input when the Clinton email investigation started in the summer of 2015 while he was serving as the assistant director in charge of the FBI's Washington office. Wow. Uh, Politicizing the Justice Department. Pretty amazing 
bold statement by somebody that's been able to skirt justice and the rule of law, and there seems to be that we don't have equal justice under the law. Jay Sekulow is the chief counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, also a counsel to the president. Uh, Jay, what is your reaction to what Hillary just said? Well, look, I mean, it, she, she doesn't like the fact that there may be an inquiry into a transaction that the American people are still trying to get their head around, and that is Uranium One. Now, what's interesting with Uranium One is, and you've reported on this and, and discussed this, Sean, is that you had this ongoing FBI investigation, which ended up in resulting ultimately four years later and prosecutions on Uranium One. Uh, But the concern now is how in the world was this signed off on uh, in light of what are apparent conflicts of interest? And that would be an apparent conflict of interest between the then Secretary of State, uh, former President, the Rosatom, the company that ended up buying Uranium One. So there's a lot of questions that have to be really answered here because this is just now coming to light. And and then you take the, the special status issue on the investigation on the email server situation. And and what is exactly special status? I mean, what does that even mean? Is there a definition within the Department of Justice manual called special status investigations? And I'm I'm just not, I don't know of one, and I've not memorized, I've never, I've not memorized the entire DOJ manual, but I will tell you that that something like a special status investigation is handled pursuant to this regulation and that regulation. I, I just don't see it. So, that that whole Comey situation, and I've I've said this uh, on 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 your broadcast. I've said it on my own broadcast. I mean, the idea that if, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Independent. Here's the fact: what James Comey did by intervening in that election was not only unprecedented; it violated the the Department of Justice own guidelines. And the fact that then whether then he exonerates and he reopens the investigation, he bysteps the Attorney General of the United States because he felt James Comey felt she was tainted. Now. Granted, she should have recused herself. You're talking about a recusal. I mean, she had a meeting with the former president of the United States whose wife was under investigation. But take it a step further. Why did he not go to the deputy attorney general or the associate attorney general of the United States if he thought that Loretta Lynch was compromised? Why did he do this on his own? So that needs to be investigated. And the inspector general said they're going to have an answer to that in their view uh, in, in the spring. But would that be something that the FBI or a special counsel should be looking at? I would think so. That... That's separate and apart from the fact that James Comey leaked conversations he's had with the president of the United States to third parties for publication purposes. See, if you have this special status that they're talking about here and this small team that they're talking about here, well, equal justice under the law, I think, would dictate that everybody has to have the same status treated the same way. And in reality, we know that that's not the case. I mean, when when the attorney general of the United States at the time and Loretta Lynch is the attorney general and she's telling Comey, the FBI director, not to call it an investigation, uh, that is in and of itself not only inappropriate, but it reeks of politics in the justice system. And then when she meets with Bill Clinton for 45 minutes, they all know what the rules are. And they tried to cover it up. They changed their name, as I understand it, as in terms of that hoping that nobody would know it was them that was there, and and that got revealed. And then, of course, now we've got the whole exoneration and moving the term, the legal standard, gross negligence to extreme carelessness. That that had to have been done purposely. Yeah, although extreme carelessness is gross negligence. I mean, that's oh. what you look at. I mean, you're talking about a sleight of hand. I mean, the statute itself, when it talks about gross negligence, you look up the term gross negligence in legal dictionaries, it means extreme carelessness. But that's how they thought they were playing cute here, including James Comey. Uh, Yeah, they thought they were playing cute. Now, here's the question. A lot of us 
have been waiting. And I I never thought it was the right call for Jeff Sessions to recuse himself uh, as the attorney general, but he did. My sources are telling me that he did not recuse himself from Uranium One or the dossier issue or, you know, he just recused himself from that particular matter. And then it was Rosenstein who made the appointment. And then, you you know, now we get back into, you know, whether or not there's a conflict. You know, are, are you worried that that Vladimir Putin, the bad actor he is, the hostile regime of Russia that they are, that. The FBI and the Department of Justice had to know they had an FBI informant that had discovered a network inside the United States, uh, obviously working on behalf of Putin, that was using bribery, extortion, kickbacks, money laundering, racketeering. And they knew this in 2009. This FBI informant was with them over four years. And now he has documents, tapes, firsthand experience and emails and so on and so forth. Um, Is there any explanation that you can think of why anybody would ever sign off on Uranium One? And no. why, why they didn't stop this when they knew a year and a half before. No, I'd like to know if they actually, I mean, this is part of, I mean, we've done this on a Freedom of Information Act request that we've put in at the American Center for Law and Justice to the uh, State Department and the other agencies involved with that CFIUS committee. It was the committee that were to determine these uh, foreign investments. Did they actually meet? Did they actually, were they briefed on the situation? Were they given a status report on ongoing criminal investigations? Was that, did that issue raise to the level? In other words, did it get to the attorney general? Eric Holder at that time. I mean, yeah, well, didn't they, reach it. Yeah, and and that's the, the those are unknowns. So that has to be answered because this is a big enough deal where you've got to know the answer to that. So again, none of us know where it ends up going, but the investigators, I think, certainly have a prima facie right to to look at it. Um, how that will take what what form that'll actually take. You know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, what the FBI, do they go with an independent counsel? Do they, uh, or a special counsel? Do they think they can do it internally? I think they're, they, I think the p- potential to do it internally is very limited here. I mean, because of other people that would be involved in it and how that plays out and what their involvement was. And some of it, by the way, even Sean, that would be a conflict of interest, not because they did something wrong, but because they prosecuted the Uranium One, not the Uranium One, the, they prosecuted the, the Russian spies and those that were engaged in that. So if that lawyer prosecuted it, can he now, who's now in the Department of Justice, can he do this independently? So that's where you look at the, the actual code, the actual regulations at the Department of Justice and make the determination that this is one of those situations where a special counsel would be necessary. What did you yeah. think of Jeff Sessions's answer the other day? You're, I mean, you're a smart lawyer. You understand this as well as anybody. This has been your business for 40 years, 50, yeah. 45 years. Well, look, I, I mean, I would. my answer would have been, well, I think what he said about it's going through the process, I understand that. I mean, you have to de- determine whether you need a special counsel. You need to review the process as to does it meet the criteria for a special counsel. I think personally it does. That's my personal view. I'm sp- speaking as as Jay Seculo here. Um, that's not the position of uh, – I, I don't know what the position of the Department of Justice ultimately is going to be on that. But I would think that this is a time where a special counsel would be needed because it just – the appearance of conflicts of interest here are so great that I think to to, to really handle this in an appropriate way – and, you know, Sean, I'm very hesitant on special counsels. You know that. I don't like – I like the fact that we have a Department of Justice that can – that's supposed to be able to do this uh, with Lady Justice blindfolded, but there are times when it can't, and then this looks like it's one of those times. Well, you can already see what Hillary's strategy is. Oh, this was all debunked. Oh, this is old. I mean, it's the same old strategy. Then they're going to, you know, if in fact all that we have been investigating is now turns out to be true, um, and we know crimes were committed on the email server issue, that's a, it's, it's a fact at this point. 
We know she funded Fusion GPS for Russian lies, propaganda, misinformation to influence an election. Uh, we know also through Donna Brazil, she funded money through the same lawyer through the DNC that she was really in charge of. So we know a lot of things that have happened here. So then the question is, that what's the nature in which that investigation moves? So, I mean, you laid it, laid it out very effectively. And the question is, how does that information go out? How is that processed? How is that investigated? But there's something you said the other night when I was on your television broadcast. We were talking about this. And I think this is the – it's getting a little bit lost in all this. If, in fact, FISA warrants, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrants, were issued by a FISA court on that fake dossier – that raises a very, very serious criminal law issue, procedurally and constitutionally. Stay right there. Jay Sekulow, American Center for Law and Justice, their chief counsel, counsel to the president. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. More with Jay Sekulow on the other side. As you know, Sean Hannity on his program has been very critical of the Uranium One deal. The president saying with regard to Russia, that's the real story in all of this. What would you say to those critics? I would say it's the same baloney they've been peddling for years. And there's been no no credible evidence by anyone. In fact, it's been debunked repeatedly and will continue to be debunked. But here's what they're doing. And really, I have to give them credit. You know, Trump and his allies, including Fox News, are really experts at distraction and diversion. So the closer the investigation about real Russian ties between Trump associates and real Russians, as we heard Jeff Sessions finally admit to uh, in his testimony the other day. And as we continue, Jay Sekulow is with us from the American Center for Law and Justice. He is their chief counsel. I want to get back to the issue of what the consequences Hillary Clinton would be facing here. Are we war- is there any statute of limitations issues coming up regarding any of the issues involving the dossier, Uranium One, or the email server scandal that you know of? Well, I mean, you know, and when you've got a situation where you're talking about uh, statute of limitations, you've you got to look at what statute of limitations, because crim- crimes, a lot of most crimes have a statute of limitation, but normally it's six years in, in the criminal context. So it would not appear that there would be a statute of limitation issue that has uh, been elevated here. In other words, could could a lawyer argue that there's a statute violation, that the, the statute of limitation I've, – I've, I've speculated on the on the Manafort indictment that there, since there was not really a tax evasion charges, was that because the statute of limitations had expired? Um, so, look, it, it, in any case, statute of limitations come up, but I don't see that as a, uh, a basis upon which an investigation would not proceed here. Okay, so that's important. Now the question is, as Jeff Sessions has answered, I can't answer that. I can't answer that. He yeah. can't tell us if there's an investigation. Yeah. Well, it- look, um, General Sessions um, is someone I've worked with, as you know, Sean, for a lot of years when he was in the United States Senate, and I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's in a ha- has had a very difficult time. Uh, no question, had a very difficult time uh, just two days ago in his testimony, and this it to me. If Jeff Sessions, the nature, he knows what his nature of his recusal is. The question is, does it recuse him? I, I can't imagine. I mean, first of all, you think Eric Holder would have ever recused himself from any of this? No. Um, but look, Loretta Lynch did not recuse herself when she met with President Clinton on the tarmac. She never actually recused herself. Remember, she'll take the investigation recommendations of her senior people. And then we know that James Comey wrote the answer to that you know, three months before he interviewed the witnesses and, in fact, granted immunity to witnesses and still writ- had written his declination letter before. So I think the reality of, of what we have here, Sean, is that I am not sure at this point where 
the attorney general sees himself in these investigations and what role he'll play. I, I, I'd be speculating because it's not just not clear for me what he can and cannot do based on his own view of things. All right, uh, as Jay, frustrating as that is. It is. All right, Jay Seculo, thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, news roundup and information overload coming up later and much more straight ahead on the Sean Hannity Show. See, as a baby, Rob was routinely beaten by his father, Carl. On a typical night, Carl would slip into Rob's bed, roll him over, swab him down and say something like I'm thinking about hiring Maury Amsterdam to play Buddy Sorrell what do you think (laughs) well the success of the Dick Van Dyke show changed things dramatically uh, Carl started inviting many of his famous friends to son We rehearsed the line and the line leading up to the kiss. We rehearsed the line and I'm coming towards him and he comes up and he grabs me and he puts his hand behind my head and he aggressively comes in and he mashes his mouth up against mine and he sticks his tongue in my mouth. And as it happens, it happens so fast and he puts his tongue in my mouth and his mouth is just wet and slimy. And to this day, I call him fish lips, okay, because it's disgusting. (laughs) He says, I respect women. I don't respect men who don't. The fact that my own actions have given people a good reason to doubt that makes me feel ashamed. Uh, He's also asked for, as has Mitch McConnell, an investigation. So, one, do you accept his apology? And two, what do you think should happen after an investigation? I mean, yeah, there's no reason why I shouldn't accept his apology. You know, I mean, if that's sure. Um, I, I wasn't... Um, I didn't come out to, I wasn't looking for anything. You know what I mean? And people are like, well, what, what were you expecting from him? What did you expect from him? If he wanted to apologize, great. If, if, I mean, look, this has happened, this has been going on for, this happened 11 years ago. I saw him a couple years after that with my husband at a USO gala. And he walked up to me and found me in a room and said hello to me. And I was very cold to him. And I turned around. He found me and, and, you know, with my back to him and said hello. And I was like, hi, Al. And I turned around and walked away from him. My husband even said to me last night, he's like, as I recall, Leanne, you left me standing there with Al because you said hello and then turned and turned your back on him and walked away and left me standing there with him. And I'm like, yeah, because I wasn't going to talk to him. You know, so <laughs> my husband said hello, Al. But no, he had a chance to apologize to me then because he knew. He knew exactly what he did to me then, and that picture was out there. So he had a chance to apologize to me. So I wasn't holding my breath. I'd have been long dead by now, by then, you know. So um, the apology, sure, I accept it. Yes, I mean, people make mistakes, and of course he knew he made a mistake. So yes, I do accept that apology. Um, The the ethics investigation, if that's what Mitch McConnell wants to do, uh, that's that's on them. I'm not calling for that. If that's what he wants to do, I, okay, that's that's up to them. I, I'm not demanding that. I'm not I'm not demanding any of that. All right, that of course was Leanne Tweeden who uh, released a picture today and talk about Senator Al Franken and his unwanted groping and kissing and uh, of course uh, an image when they were on a, a USO tour 
while Leanne Tweedham was sleeping, Al Franken going up and looking, looks like he's grabbing her chest and laughing about it. She's sleeping. Well, looks like, you know, in in somewhere in Iraq. If I'm uh, Leanne Tweedham, I've known for many, many years. I've known about this picture for many years, and I know her, and I know her husband, and uh, there's no nicer person in the entire world, and she went into great detail today as to why she felt it was time to explain that. And then Melanie Morgan, same story. Anyway, here to discuss uh, all of this. Uh, now we've got charges of Sylvester Stallone accused of sexually assaulting a 16-year-old fan, and police report reveals a girl claimed the star made him give, uh, made her give him and his bodyguard oral sex and threatened they would beat her head in if she ever told. Uh, joining us now is Jonathan Gillum, host of The Experts. He's got an upcoming book, Sheep No More, Geraldo Rivera, Fox News legal analyst. Geraldo, let's just get your your general take on all of these things that are now, you know, cascading upon society in a way and uh, all these developments and all these revelations. You know, Sean, it's a great question. I've really been uh, I've been pondering it seriously all day today because there's, you know, at what point does it become grotesque and offensive, if not criminal and career-threatening or career-ending, and at what point is it flirting and normal kind of uh, uh, interaction between uh, boys and girls and men and women, uh, you know, when it's not a superior-subordinate situation, when it's not uh, someone who's overpowering in a physical way. I mean, I'm not sure. Society is going to have to revamp and redraw and redefine these lines. I think that Senator Franken is a... Uh, you know, aside from being profoundly embarrassed and ashamed, as he well should be, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's it, it, what but, will. But, but you know, but, but, but there are some cases where we have facts. In this case, you have a picture and the picture oh, is no grotesque. Doubt. In other cases, you have uh, an accuser and you have somebody denying it on the other end. And it becomes like in the case of Weinstein, in the case of uh, Kevin Spacey. I mean, you know, they're they're all heading out. Oh, sorry, I'm going to rehab. Um, so that I'm, you'll, I'm, you'll never see Kevin Spacey again. Sylvester Stallone. I'm not sure of the circumstances or how long ago it was, or the age of the person at the time of the alleged offense. But these these charges now, and and you were really good about it last night, and you've been spot on, uh, uh, Sean, in, in terms of your moral outrage, regardless of the ideology or political philosophy or political party of the alleged defender. And I think that we've got to stick to that. We've got to, we've got to be party blind, uh, ideology and politi- uh, politics blind. We've got to lay out some rules now. I've, I've got three daughters. Uh, you've got one. Uh, you know, I'm not, society is shaking out now from the old century. It's taken uh, 17 years since the 20th century, but we're finally getting over it. Now we've got to draw some real rules. What's your take, Jonathan? I I said last night I went through a long history, and some of it is political, although I think it should be apolitical, but this is important because the length to which the left in this country went to support Bill Clinton and all of the smearing and slandering and besmirchment that went on, even up to and including last year's election. We're not we're not necessarily going back to the 90s here. These allegations were made and systematically the bimbo eruptions were dealt with and these women were slandered, abused. Nobody in the media, you know, said anything nice about them. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that sense, I think there is a certain degree of culpability on their part. 
Listen, I, I, when I talk about the leftists in this country, I'm not talking about people like Geraldo, who, you know, uh, him and uh, Rick Unger and other people that are friends of mine that are liberal, that are actual thinkers and look for effective solutions. When I talk about leftists, I'm talking about people to the far left. I'm talking about activists. And when we look at Bill Clinton and the the way that that was handled uh, when all that information was coming out, that almost set a precedence for the way uh, these things would eventually unfold. Because when you add to that the activists on the left that are constantly going absolutely crazy about political correctness, even far past uh, the stuff that we're talking about now, this was it's interesting because the left is responsible for all this stuff coming out, and so many people from Hollywood, so many people from politics, they're all suffering from this now because, and it's interesting at the same time, because it is it is something that we have to talk about on an even playing scale. It's not you're, like you're now that it's out in the open. It's not like you're going to have liberals and conservatives trying to trying to, to tiptoe around this. They have to say what this is in the cases when it's uh, a sexual assault or some time a, a type of promiscuous behavior. The fact is all this stuff is coming out, and it's a snowball effect. And like Geraldo was saying there, we have to start looking at this almost at different levels. Was this mischievous behavior and joking around that was inappropriate? Was it but something? There, but there are going to be times we don't know, too. Absolutely. But when I look and hear about from a criminal standpoint, an investigator standpoint, when I hear about Harvey Weinstein, when I hear about Kevin Spacey, when I hear what you just said about um, about Sylvester Stallone, I'm no. looking at criminal offenses, not something that you go get rehabilitated for. I agree. But sometimes you have the statute of limitations. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll have more with Jonathan Gillum and Geraldo Rivera. Uh, that's coming up on the other side. All right. As we continue, Jonathan Gillum, Geraldo Rivera are with us. Let me play. And this is really offensive. I mean, we had Rob Reiner earlier that we played. But, you know, this is uh, Al Franken joking about rape. And just listen to what he says. Donald Trump claiming the things he said on that bus were locker room talk. Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, I've been in a lot of locker rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I belong to a health club oh, wow. in Minneapolis. <laughs> I think you can tell. Yeah, we can tell. And uh, our locker room banter is stuff like, is Trump crazy? <laughs> and uh, so I don't know what locker room... He may work out with Roger Ailes, and they right. may... Uh, that would be a different locker room. But... See, as a baby, Rob was routinely beaten by his father, Carl. On a typical night, Carl would slip into Rob's bed, roll him over, swab him down, and say something like, I'm thinking about hiring Maury Amsterdam to play Buddy Sorrell. What do you think? (laughs) Well, the success of the Dick Van Dyke show changed things dramatically. uh, Carl started inviting many of his famous friends to son. What is your reaction, Geraldo, to that? You know, my uh, feeling, and uh, I'm glad you asked me that. I, as I listened, I was thinking that there, there is an aspect of, of locker room, 
humor, whether Franken wants it, it cop to it or not, that a year ago, two years ago, let's say, two years ago, before we went through our, our own our Roger Ailes drama uh, at Fox News, two years ago, people would have been, uh, you know, elbowing the other one and saying, oh, oh, oh that's funny, and not, and not thinking of the person making the joke as a particularly predatory monster. Now, and, and you and I had the, a debate about this, I said that uh, right now, if Anita Hill made those same charges against Clarence Thomas, he would never have been confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States if that were today. I think the times have changed dramatically. What we have to be cautious of, and I think that this is where you are leading in terms of sharp prudence, is let's see where the charge goes. Now, a lot of relationships end unsuccessfully. A lot of people break up. A lot of marriages end in divorce. A lot of uh, relationships, uh, uh, there's, there's great bitterness. There's uh, property involved. There's, there's both. I, I'm sorry, you cannot, although I want every accusation to be true or truthful, that's not the real world. Now, in the Franken case, he has admitted it. Now, what does the Senate do about it? I am positive, having investigated Congress enough, particularly during the Clinton impeachment time, that there are plenty of people, some of whom profess to be uh, uh, Christian, uh, righteous, uh, uh, straight shooting, uh, loyal to their wives who are on the side going along with uh, uh, whores and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, catcalling uh, teenagers and, uh, you know, uh, brushing up against Senate interns. You know, that maybe this is the shakeout. Maybe this is the time where the real world comes to grips with uh, what's going on. Jonathan. Well, also, you know, when we look at uh, the way that we confront these issues, first off, I want to give you uh, props on the the, um, the interview that you did with uh, Judge uh, Moore. I thought that that was a, a very firm and probably one of the best interviews I've ever heard where somebody's literally questioning somebody. You ask the right questions. That's the way we need to ask these questions. But here's another thing that I want to say. And, well, I don't, by, and by the way, I've taken a lot of heat for doing what was the right thing to do. Well, you got, didn't you get Jake Tapper telling you it was a good thing? No, it's not, it's not that. Well, it's not that. It's just, one, I don't rush sense. to judgment. And not rushing to judgment, I, it made me be right in so many cases well, was, where others were wrong, starting with Richard Jewell and, yep. and the Zimmerman-Trayvon case, Ferguson, hands up, don't shoot, uh, right that Trump can win, right about Duke lacrosse, those three kids' lives were ruined, right about Freddie Gray. Well, because I don't rush to judgment. And then, then if you don't rush to judgment, boy, you're excoriated. Well, you know, some we have to wait for more facts. And then, right. as I said last night, I got Judge Moore to answer again. And now the people of Alabama, they're smart. I have faith in them. Well, as Geraldo would tell you, you know, he's done investigations. When you, you have to allow time for the evidence to come in, and then you have to allow the evidence to kind of lead you. You can't make let your assumptions lead you. But the, what I was getting at there a second ago is that we— I really want women to be empowered. And if somebody does something, I like the way Leanne uh, Tweeden handled this, the way she went up to him and she didn't, or when he came up to her, she didn't want to have anything to do with Al Franken. I want women to be empowered. And if somebody does something inappropriate, I want them to be able to say, uh, stop that. It's inappropriate. Get away from me. And then if it if it's something like rape or molestation, I want women to be able to say this is what happened and not fear the retribution. Agreed. And, and you know, and I understand why some women wait, because it is so traumatic and it's such an act of 
a, a violation. It's violence. I'm going to have to leave it there. Jonathan, good to see you. you so, Rather, you need to come in the studio more often. We need to see you. Uh, thank, right, you thank you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. When we come back, wide open telephones, 800-941-SEAN is our number. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show 25 now till the top of the hour. Wow. You think these news cycles will ever slow down? Certainly doesn't look like it. Hey, by the way, I've got a question in there for Ethan. So you weren't here in the studio yesterday, and they said, oh, no, Ethan has 102 temperature, and he's too sick to go to work, and, oh, he needed the day off. And I don't believe them. Why don't you believe them? I was actually sick. You were, you, uh, I really was. No, I was at the doctor. Listen I don't, to him. He sounds I don't like want, garbage. I, I don't want to actually uh, describe how I was sick, because uh, you would not have appreciated if I was here on Monday. Oh, really? Because I would have gotten sick being around you? I could not speak on Monday. You couldn't? I sounded like a little girl, or I couldn't speak. Linda told you, and I'm like, where's Ethan? Why isn't Ethan here? And, of course, you go, uh, 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 Linda, I don't feel good. <laughs> and we know she hates germs, and she's a germaphobe. I'm not a germaphobe. I just figure nobody wants to get sick right now. Okay, I'm going to do that tomorrow morning. <laughs> Do you want me to cough on your food right now? Is that what you want? I, I'm not going near you, but I just think that you took two days off because you wanted a couple of days off. I don't think you were sick at all. I would never lie to you. I'm just teasing. All right. I hope you feel better. All right. Let's get to our busy telephones here as we say hi to Sean in Florida. Sean, hi. How are you? And welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Hi, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'd just like to weigh in on a couple of things. Um, first of all, Judge Roy Moore, I think it's uh, the victim of a political hatchet job. What if I told you that right before the election of President Trump, I had a friend who knew someone in the Democratic Party who said that about 12 women were going to come out against President Trump and say that they were sexually harassed or whatever. And he said, Trump is going down. I know, and this is what's going to happen. I think the same thing is happening here because the timing is just way, way too convenient. And why didn't these women come forward when Roy Moore was running against Luther Strange? No, instead it's right before the election. I'm not buying it. Secondly, Sessions needs to go. I hear what you're saying. I understand. You know, you always get these October surprises. You never know what they are. You don't know what to believe. It throws every election into chaos. I mean, it wasn't an accident the week before George W. Bush was running against Al Gore. Oh, by the way, he got a DUI. He had a DUI when he was in college. Oh, sorry. We didn't know until today. I don't believe that. And to derail, you know, in the case of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Hold on a second. We don't want him. He's too conservative. We don't want him on the court. And we saw what happened with Herman Cain. And and people are rightly suspicious that this stuff comes out. But on the other hand, when 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 things are so serious, you got to look into it. By the way, how great was uh, Donald Trump getting the UCLA players out of jail in China? Now, I spoke to somebody that knows exactly what happened. So the president hears about this. He's sitting next to the president of china he says hey can you do me a f- can you do me a favor i need a favor can you do me a favor can you let these guys out if you so desire yes boom imagine i really do i can only imagine by the way thank god these players were let out you know they thank president trump for helping them out you know in china that's like 10 years in prison why would they go to china and steal sunglasses uh, it's so stupid you want a pair of sunglasses i'll buy you a pair i mean it's crazy Anyway, so we're glad they're out. I'm just glad the president got them out of there.
That would not have ended well in a lot of different ways. All right, uh, back to our busy phones as we say hi to Larry is in Wisconsin. Larry, how are you? I'm great, Sean. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Yes, sir. What's going on? I'm really troubled by this Judge Moore thing. It's uh, particularly uh, when I heard... Uh, his denials to your very pointed questions. Um, some of them, particularly the uh, first one, the the first uh, accuser, is very specific in how he denied it. He very flat out denied that anything had happened. The other ones, he, he starts getting squishy. He starts playing lawyer and parsing his words. And it was really troublesome. And I as much as I want the guy to have a fair shake and think that he's really getting run down the, the pike here by uh, political forces, it bothers me that he can't man up uh, to to take every uh, one of these at its face instead of giving these fuzzy denials. You know, it's sometimes, and this has been my experience in interviewing people for 30 years, sometimes there are people that do not know how to answer questions. Yeah, I, I, no, I'm just look, I'm just being very blunt here. And, you know, when this other accuser, you know, came out and he said he didn't know her. Look, I'm looking at a lawsuit that has that or basically I guess it's Alabama dot com is the name of the company, Alabama Media Group. They operate as AL dot com and. They now have been put on notice by the Foundation of Moral Law that that Judge Moore and his wife are about to file a lawsuit against them. And they talked about the yearbook uh, thing that they're they're not claiming it wasn't his signature. You know, how do we possibly know this at this point in time? I mean, I looked at I looked at it myself. I'm not a handwriting expert. I don't know those things. And it's 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 but, you know, the hard thing for everybody and this gets so difficult is we know shenanigans. What do, what do you think we call it an October surprise for? Call it an October surprise because it is designed to create doubt in people's minds. It is designed to shift the votes. It is, you know, politics is a mean, down, disgusting, dirty sport. It is a blood sport. And this is what people do. And you know, I think my experience has taught me well not to rush to judgment. But on the other hand, you know, if he says he doesn't know the girl and then something comes out that looks like his handwriting and then I'm saying, OK, well, did you do that? I think the people that vote have a right to a very swift, truthful, honest answer because it's too, it, these are too serious of the allegations. You know, the thing that's always been important to me is, you know, I want the people of Alabama to have an informed decision. I think they deserve that. You know, some people got mad at me for asking the the questions that came out, but you have to ask these questions. It's just, it's, this is too serious. This is something that should transcend politics. And when I said, you know, you got to answer. And even after the interview, I, I thought of every question I could possibly think of uh, because the people of Alabama deserve to know that. Um, we got a thorough, complete answer from him. There's other charges now, but I, you know, as somebody who's lived in Alabama, I just, at this point, you've got to put it in their hands and they are going to make that determination themselves as it should be. Not Washington, not some news anchor, not somebody that's a talk show host, 
but the people of Alabama. The more information, the better for them. And whatever it takes to get to the truth is what matters in this thing. And and that's all I've done. Look at what President Trump went through in his election. Look at what he has dealt with every day since he's been elected. Why any good person ever wants to run for office, yeah, why anybody wants to be in the public eye today is at, you're out of your mind. You know, you think that it's a, such a, a great, you know, position. Well, you're a public figure. People ask for your autograph. It's it's not what people seem to think that it is. Um, but with that said, if you love your country, if you see what I see, that the country's on the wrong track, if you see people needlessly suffering because of government oppression, you know, you want to do all you can. And no matter what I did and accomplished in my entire life, it'll never begin to match the service of one guy that put himself in harm's way and and was taking bullets for his country. You know, I take verbal bullets in a sense. You know, I get verbal it's verbal combat, but it's not getting shot at in the battlefield. It's not risking your life, giving your life, giving your limbs, living with disfigurement. Those are the that's why military are the real heroes. But there's but you know if they can do all of that, at least we can do is be called bad names, which happens to me every day. And it's uh, it's the right thing to do. This is a great country, and this great country is on the wrong path. And I want to get this country on the right path. On paper, anybody that's a billionaire like Donald Trump, he doesn't need to work. He doesn't need he doesn't need this aggravation every day. But I, I, I he did it for this country. Everyone questions everyone else's motives. You still got to live it. You still got to work. You still got to plow ahead. You know, you got to grind through it, and life is a grind. Nothing in this life is easy. I can tell you that. I don't care who you are, what you do. Life is, as the road less traveled says, difficult. Life is hard. It is an undeniable truth. And once you recognize that truth, it's a divine paradox in a lot of ways. Once you once you recognize that simple, basic, fundamental truth, life actually gets easier because you're not expecting everything to go well every day. I actually expect to get hit on any given day. Nothing shocks me. Nothing surprises me. Nothing anymore. And not a whole lot phases me in terms of me taking stuff personally. And in that sense, I guess I'm uniquely qualified to take the beatdowns that I get on a regular basis. And I don't care. And I fight back. And, you know, when I said in the beginning that, you know, you have to take something like this seriously, you have to because the charges are so severe. I'm just speaking as a father. I have a 16-year-old daughter. And it's, it's frightening because we know evil exists. We know these predators exist. We know what happens out in Hollywood on the casting couch. You know, I've actually, one of my friends, one of my best friends, has a daughter that is enormously talented in terms of her ability to sing and act. And she, since she was little, has been the lead role in every play she's ever auditioned for. And, you know, at times the girl wanted to go out to Hollywood, get an agent. I'm like, don't you dare take that girl away. Don't let her out of your sight. You should, if you heard this girl sing, you'd be stunned. If you watched her perform, you would be stunned. She's amazing. You know what I'm talking about, right? And uh, I, I'm like, no. I told my buddy Keith, no, don't do it. This is what's going to happen. This is, I am telling you, you're going to lose control quickly. Everyone's going to get caught up in fame. How, why do all these child actors have get so messed up? You know, it's a little ridiculous for a guy that is on 570 radio stations around the country and on national TV every night. It sounds ridiculous for me to say to you, fame is not healthy. But it's just a fact. I see it up close every single day. And I think there's really only two mitigating factors to 
at least being half normal. That there's an assumption here. I'm half normal, and I think you have to. There has to be humility in you, in that you believe deeply in God. You just have to. It doesn't have to be church. You just have to know there's something greater than yourself. Anything you have that may represent any talent is is God given. And the second thing I think that is crucial uh, to all of that is don't buy into it. You just you can't believe all you can't believe the good or the bad. Anyway, it's it's easier said than done. Uh, let's say hi to uh, Mel is in Brooklyn, New York. What's up, Mel? How are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. How are you? I want to talk about Uranium One and okay. the background of Uranium One, which isn't really being spoken in the in the, the media at all. In the early 1990s, Congress passed the Nunn Luger Cooperative Threat Reduction Act and funded it at over 350 million dollars a year. And the purpose of that act was to remove and safeguard nuclear bomb-grade material from the former Soviet Union. Now, this went on from the 90s all the way through the 2000s. One of the things that happened, and it really should be a movie, is a thing called Project Sapphire, where in the late summer of 1994, we flew three C-5 galaxy transports into Kazakhstan to remove half a ton of bomb-grade uranium. And we did this with technicians from Lawrence Livermore Labs out in California. The only thing standing between that bomb-grade uranium reaching terrorists or rogue states was a padlocked door. The former Soviet Union fell. The whole security apparatus around the nuclear uh, facilities and the whole uh, nuclear industry in the Soviet Union fell apart. Now, after spending billions of taxpayer money to remove uranium and bomb grain plutonium from the former Soviet Union. The Uranium One deal gives it back to Putin, which is ridiculous. It's, it's, it's theft of government money, of, of taxpayer money, and it's also a proliferation treaty that they had with Putin. It allows them to have the uranium that technicians, hundreds of technicians and uh, analysts, defense analysts, believe that the former Soviet Union could not safeguard and it gives it back to them. And this is something that puts the whole world at risk, and Obama and Hillary Clinton were at the center of it. Yeah. All right, I got to let it go there. Look, I, I just don't know. They undid every—yeah, if we have to import uranium, let me just put it this way. You have to import uranium, then I got to tell you something. You have no business letting anybody, outside entity, in any way, shape, manner, or form, control your, your uranium, especially a bad actor like Putin— and a hostile regime like Russia. All right, tonight, the charges. Al Franken accused of sexual molestation on a USO tour. Uh, we'll have Leanne Tweeden and her story. Also, tonight, we have major breaking news as it relates to Uranium One and, of course, uh, the dossier of the Clinton dossier. We have John Solomon, Sarah Carter, Peter Schweitzer. We got Sebastian Gorka, Tommy Laren, and Jessica Tarlov, Greg Jarrett, and so much more. That's all coming up. Don't miss tonight's opening monologue. Al Franken, I hope you're listening. That's 9 Eastern tonight. Hannity, Fox. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. 
Hey, Sean Hannity here, and there's so much happening around our country, crimes happening in your own backyard. Listen to the story of Bob Brayton. Now, Bob was at home when an intruder physically forced his way inside. Now, luckily, Bob was able to grab his burner, and he used it to backpedal the man right outside and off of his property. Now, it's legal in all 50 states. No background checks required. They ship it right to your door. Go to burner, B-Y-R-N-A dot com slash Hannity. And if you do that now, you get an exclusive 10% discount. The world is becoming more and more unstable by the day. And many Americans are not waiting around to find out how bad it could get. They're making the decision to diversify their wealth with precious metals like gold and silver. And they're turning to the top-rated precious metals company, GoldCo. Right now, GoldCo is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. Go to HannityGold.com to learn more. That's HannityGold.com.